Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. Uh, This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. Uh, I'd love to have you. Folks, I'd love to have you uh, come and join with us. Now, look, if you've got a a positive thought, if you've got a comment on one of the issues that we're going to discuss, if you'd like to simply say hello, uh, hey, That'd be lovely to be able to, uh, to, to catch up with you. Uh, you can actually do that by texting us here at the studio, uh, on our studio text number. Uh, that number is 04-888-808-11. Now, of course, uh, this week, uh, we are looking at the theme, is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? You know, more and more, I'm totally convinced uh, that uh, a major revival and reformation uh, needs to sweep through uh, the people of God. Uh, if ever we are seeing our churches are struggling, uh, if not financially, spiritually, then this is the day and the age when that is is so, so true. Now, look, throughout this series, we've been looking at why Protestantism commenced. What did the major leaders actually believe and how those beliefs are applicable to us today? Today... We're continuing in that uh, that series. We're asking, what can what can the Protestant Reformation teach us today? And again, we're looking at one of the really big uh, beliefs that comes from uh, the Protestant Reformation. Uh, today, our co-host is live from Perth in West Oz, and that's Pastor uh, Don Felberg. Now, Don has worked as a pastor. He's been an evangelist, an international speaker. He's been a a Bush Padre, an indigenous ministries leader. He's had a, a breadth of ministerial experience that few uh, can uh, can match. How are you, Don? Yes, well, thank you, Pastor Gary. Welcome aboard. It's wonderful to have you again. Uh, what's it like in Perth today? Oh, it's off and on raining today, but very cold. I noticed our neighbour's got his fire going, so that's really good. Well, that's a, <laughs> that's, that's a very good sign. Actually, I, I was uh, talking to a friend today and they said that uh, in your retirement that you're doing some gardening. Oh, yes, yes. Well, I've got the broad beans. They're growing really good and I put some radishes in and they're up and put some more in and they're up too now. Uh, so, so you've already got things in and growing. Oh yes, uh, Perth is very good. We don't get frost here, and so uh, and even today, while it's been cold, the sun has come out a number of times, and it's quite warm, shining on the plants. And so, yeah, we uh, we we've got a very nice mild winter really here in Perth. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's actually very true, you know, here in Adelaide too. I mean, certainly, I mean, we haven't had any frosts yet. I mean, I certainly uh, uh, complain about how cold it's got, but I think the, the minimum has been at six or seven degrees and that's been at five o'clock in the morning. And uh, the only reason I've complained about that is because I'm out trying to do walking at uh, at a silly hour in the uh, in the morning. But it's very Mediterranean here as well. Lovely place to uh, uh, to actually live. Now, look, yesterday I did ask you a question uh, about, uh, you know, what was it that enticed you uh, to come into ministry? And I really appreciated your uh, your answer. Uh, but, look, I'm actually really interested because I know one of your real skills, just like Jesus was a storyteller, you're a fantastic. I, I, I sit in awe when I listen to you just share uh, some of your stories and your experiences. Look, what experiences have you had in, in ministry? Ministry, you know, for which you can only just say, "Hey, I praise God that you know He's been so good to me." I mean, you you had that wonderful experience coming into ministry, but now you've got forty years. You're looking back on forty years of ministry experience. You know, what experiences have I you probably, had? I probably need forty hours to tell it, Pastor Gary. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe that could be the good grounds for another program. Actually, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yes, I'll, I'll share with you a few things. Um, one of the things that I, I really praised God for is that I had the privilege of doing a round-the-world study tour when in 1981. That was my third year in ministry. Yeah. And why I'm so thankful to God for that is that it taught me so much. I got lots of pictures, and that's helped me in my Bible meetings and church services. I wouldn't have been able to do what I have done without those resources at the very beginning of my ministry. And Pastor Gary, I had the privilege of visiting uh, most of the major places in the Bible lands, I saw the pyramids, the Valley of the Kings, Jerusalem, the Sea of Galilee, Petra, you know, where they carved the cliff face away. And yeah. uh, I've been out back Turkey there to the underground cities. The early Christians um, lived in these uh, to get away from persecution. I had the privilege of climbing Mount Sinai. I went to Russia in the days of communism spoke greetings from our church there in Moscow to a packed house of people. I went through Checkpoint Charlie into East Germany to uh, see the Pergamon Museum where the great treasures of the old city of Babylon are kept. And I had the privilege of visiting other places like the long lost city of the Incas, Machu Picchu in the Andes Mountains there in South America. Now, Pastor Gary... Normally, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do a trip like that in my third year of ministry. Usually, you had to be uh, in ministry for 10 years to be sponsored to do a trip like that. But what happened is I was trying to get my good friend, Pastor Graham Bradford, to come and run some meetings for me, and he just couldn't fit it into his timetable. And he was going on a two-and-a-half-month trip, and so in the end he said, come with me. I said, I wouldn't be able to. It's not according to policy. You know, I haven't been in the, in the ministry long enough. Well, he said, pray about it and see. Mm. And I did pray about it, and, you know, I felt nothing, no answer, one way or the other. Mm. 
And uh, he said, well, um, take it to the committee then. See what they say, he said. Uh, the Lord can answer through various ways. And so every door that I came to just swung open as I came to it. And um, and uh, before long, I was on the trip with him. And I, I praise God for that. I can only thank God for the way he opened the door of opportunity for me at mm. that young age. Mm. And um, so that's one thing. You know, Don, just be, you, before you move on, Don, one of the things I'm so conscious of is that um, doing that type of a, a trip actually does something for you spiritually that nothing else can uh, yeah. can certainly do. I know you've certainly sm- mentioned a, a couple of places. I haven't been to certainly uh, all the places that you've you've mentioned, but I've certainly had the privilege of going to, to a few of them. And I know myself that the spiritual impact that that had on, uh, on me, being able to stand where the Waldensians stood, where some of them gave their lives uh, was something yeah. that uh, it transformed how I thought of biblical Christianity. I realized that there was an incredible cost to uh, to all that the scriptures present, uh, all that uh, we hold so dearly. And, uh, you know, the importance just really uh, came out to, to me in a way that it certainly backed up my ministry in uh, years. Uh, since uh, yeah. that time, but but Don, look, I'm breaking yeah. into you. Please keep going. Oh, I just uh, share with you another another interesting one. I've had the privilege of personally being associated with great Christian preachers. Yeah, and I'll just mention one, Pastor John Carter. This man is so dynamic and enthusiastic for Christ that you get inspired by just sitting beside him. Yeah, and I had the privilege of doing that at uh, at an at an evangelistic workshop, and uh, this man, Pastor Carter, has often hired the largest meeting facilities in a country or a state to preach Christ. For example, he he ran meetings in the Sydney Opera House here in Australia, and he had many repeat sessions for the opening program just mm. to fit the crowd. Mm. He went to Papua New Guinea to the uh, to the Sir John Guy Stadium in Port Moresby. A hundred and ten thousand people flocked along to his meetings, and thousands gave their lives to Christ. Yeah. He's been to Russia and the Ukraine about fifty times, and uh, he was invited to preach to a thousand officers of the KGB. And uh, thousands and thousands of atheists and infidels have been led to Christ. To be able to associate with a man like that, I praise God for it. Mm. It's an inspiration, Pastor Gary. Yeah, yeah. No, I really take my hat off to what you're actually saying there because uh, that ability of uh, people like uh, uh, Pastor Carter to actually mentor uh, young young people. I certainly well remember uh, when I was a, a, a student studying theology myself. Uh, it, that was the the year that uh, certainly the uh, a major program was run by uh, uh, Pastor John Carter down in the Sydney Opera House, and I can well remember going down. 
uh, week mm. by week uh, to actually just sit as part of the congregation. And if I remember correctly, he had about seven sessions every Sunday, uh, certainly every day that we were there. And uh, myself, the mystery was, was, you know, how you could preach the same thing seven times over and uh, didn't, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't it impact your voice? And uh, uh, to this day, I have to admit, you know, as a, as a preacher myself, I, I enjoy preaching. I love being able to preach, but I know how draining preaching also is. And uh, uh, seven sermons yeah. to uh, uh, to packed houses. Uh, you know, as I look at that, I, I say, hey, you know, the lives transform. But you know, Don, to me, the thing that I I know I most appreciate in my ministry is the is the evidence of lives transformed when you actually see people yeah. uh, change their uh, their way of thinking changes totally they receive peace where actually they previously didn't have peace they understand yeah, yeah. rest when previously they didn't have rest uh, you know to me yeah, sure. that's the thing that I look at and I turn around and I say hey this um, this mm. is such a a, a blessed uh, occupation occupation calling is a better term for it hey, you yeah. found the same thing oh yes yeah I've had the privilege of preaching and in Kosovo there, seeing um, I baptized Muslim people. Um, I think of one young Muslim lady, when she gave her heart to Jesus, she went through such a tough time, but she's still holding strong for Jesus. She found Jesus, and that changed her life. Yeah. Uh, and I praise God for the years, in the, over 20 years in Aboriginal ministry and and the people's lives that we've seen changed there. You know, I, I think of folk who were, were real old drinkers, wild drinkers, but mm. transformed by the grace of Christ and and now faithfully trusting in Jesus and looking forward to his soon return. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I think about the Torres Strait Islands. I had the privilege of, and I praise God for the privilege of being able to run meetings on Thursday Island, Moher Island, and one lady that came to those meetings said, you got to come to my island, the Saibai Island, right up near Papua New Guinea. Mm. You can actually, from Saibai Island, you can look across the water and see mainland Papua New Guinea. Mm. <laughs> but I remembered at those meetings, Terry Wire, who had been one of the APSEC commissioners for all of West, uh, for, uh, for, for the Torres Strait, um, he he would welcome me, me and the people each night, and he would say, "All we ask is you give it a hearing." Yeah. And uh, he, every night he'd say that. All we ask is you give it a hearing. And you know, him and his wife were among the first to be baptized on Saibai Island and join the Adventist Church. And now we have a group there on Saibai. Um, and, you know, talking about how Jesus changes people, Terry Wire was one of the big men of the Torres Strait, a big government men. But, you know, we had Papua New Guinea people who came across. Now, the Torres Strait Islanders often look down a bit on the Papua New Guinea people. They're not as educated as they are. They are, you know, they're, they're behind them. And that's how they often think. But I remember Terry Wire getting up at a meeting at his house. There was about 30 Papua New Guinea people that had come across and were having a meeting there. And Terry Wire got up and he said, 
He said, I just want to welcome um, you people from Papua New Guinea. He said, you're welcome at my house. He said, mm. we are all one in Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And for a big man of the government to say that, to humble himself, to say we are one in Jesus Christ, that spoke powerfully to me. I praise God for these wonderful experiences. Yeah, you know, Don, that's the, we often hear today about the need to break down division uh, in our society. But, you know, when the gospel is accepted, when hearts are changed, when minds are transformed, uh, what you find is that those divisions that are so often a boundaries uh, in the secular world start to come tumbling down. And, you know, in, in the gospel in the New Testament, uh, that's the message of the New Testament, the boundaries people are one in Jesus Christ and uh, to yes. me that's that, that's a powerful that's a life-changing message that uh, I wish that just as you rightly said people would give it a go uh, because if yes. they would just give it a go uh, they'd find that it does in fact work but let's come to some it music Let, let's, let's come to some music this is uh, let the word of Christ uh, this is uh, trilogy so, uh, scripture songs about where our world is heading. Are you searching for truth? 
Faith FM would like to invite you to Searching for Certainty, a free eight-part series at Melrose Park Seventh-day Adventist Church, 123 Edward Street, Melrose Park. Running every Friday and Saturday in August at 6pm on Fridays and 3pm on Saturdays, there will be free refreshments and you'll discover trustworthy answers to your big life questions. Remember, that's every Friday at 6pm and every Saturday at 3pm, right throughout August at Melrose Park Seventh-day Adventist Church. To reserve your place, contact Fabiano on 0415 030 590. That's 0415 030 590. And folks, I'd love to be able to uh, recommend that uh, that program to you. Now, that is going to be one of the best programs. It's uh, it's run by our good mate Fabiano. Now, Fabiano runs Drive Time uh, every every single uh, Thursday, and uh, he's going to be speaking uh, speaking tomorrow. And uh, this weekend, uh, that program is uh, is kicking off Friday night. Then again on on Saturday, uh, two programs. Uh, where is our world heading? If you're here in Adelaide, I want to recommend that uh, that program at the Melrose Park Seventh Day Adventist Church to you. It's going to be hosted by our mate Fabiana. Come along, say hello to him. Uh, I believe you'll be uh, richly blessed by everything that uh, that he's got to uh, uh, got to share. Uh, now, look, folks, we do also have a giveaway book again today. Now, this is a brand new book. We've never advertised this uh, this particular book uh, before, and uh, uh, it's actually entitled uh, uh, "Baptized." Paganism. Now, uh, uh, this is so relevant uh, to everything we've been speaking about over the past uh, couple of uh, couple of weeks. This is uh, written by Dennis Cruz. Today's church is suffering, uh, says the back cover, from uh, spiritual amnesia. This eye-opening investigation explores the pagan customs that have been gradually introduced into Christianity, and whether or not you should avoid participating in one or more. Of those practices. What are those practices? This book will actually help you out. This book's entitled Baptized Paganism. Now, look, if you'd like your own copy of Baptized Paganism uh, by Dennis Cruz, we're more than happy to uh, send this book to you. Uh, what you need to do is uh, text us here at our studio text number. That number is 04 888 80811 and uh, the code that you need is SA66 no gap between the SA and the 66 just SA66 and that'll trigger our robot and uh, our robot's called a pilgrim it's not called faithful anymore they changed the name I don't know why they changed the name of uh, our robot but uh, our robot is now called pilgrim and uh, uh, he'll uh, he'll contact you he'll uh, by text uh, he'll ask you a few questions get some details off you so that we can send this uh, this book to you in the fastest uh, possible possible way uh, that drive time number again is o four triple eight eight o eight eleven and of course if you want to send uh, our your greetings, if you want to ask any questions, if you've got any thoughts that you'd like to share, then please feel free to use that same number and uh, uh, that will come through to uh, us in our studio here, 04888. 80811 is uh, is that number and your code for today is uh, SA66 and uh, that will trigger our robot a pilgrim. Now you are listening to uh, 
Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. And uh, uh, Pastor Don uh, is our co-host. And he's worked as a pastor, an evangelist, an international speaker, a bush padre, an indigenous ministries leader. Uh, look, guys, uh, really appreciate uh, being able to have Pastor Don uh, on with us today. And this week we're looking at the theme, is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? And uh, this this series is really a challenge. Uh, so many. Uh, now, today we're asking what can the Reformation teach us? And we're going to be looking at the subject of grace. Why is grace so, so vitally important? You know, just, uh, uh, just a little way, a little, a uh, few, few weeks ago, and, uh, uh, and this, uh, uh, this is a little bit of an aside before we come to our, our subject. I came across an, an article that, uh, to me was really significant. It actually told the story of the collapse of the Florida, uh, condos. Uh, over there uh, in in America, and uh, it gave the results as to why the, a building in the middle of just last year fell down. Now you might recall this uh, uh, story from the from the news media. It, uh, it occurred in uh, in June t- June twenty four two thousand and twenty one, just just over twelve months uh, ago. In the middle of the night, this building fell down. Now, why did it fall down? Now, uh, in uh, in an article that I was reading giving the results of the investigation, uh, this is what it said. Uh, There's a startling discovery awaited an, in- an engineer who drilled into the ground level concrete slab at Champlain uh, Towers south late last year. He could find no waterproofing in two separate sections. The engineer wrote in a letter to the condominium board. That was about 12 months before the building actually collapsed. Without that essential layer for the high-rise facing the punishing Atlantic Ocean, rainwater and salty sea spray likely had seeped in to the foundations for decades, slowly weakening the steel reinforcing and the concrete holding up the condo building. Indeed, the engineer reported at the same time seeing significant concrete deterioration. Less than a year later, in the early hours of June 24, part of that slab dropped into the parking garage below. Within minutes, the east wing of that 13-storey tower collapsed. It killed 98 people in a disaster without modern precedent in the uh, United States. They skipped, the article said, waterproofing in areas where salt water could seep into the concrete. All the available evidence shows the one thing. They put the builders, the building's structural slabs on thin columns without the support of beams in some places. They, in, they installed too few of the special heavy walls that would keep the building from toppling. And they appeared to have put too little contract, too little concrete over some reinforcing bar in some places and not enough reinforcing bar in other places. Officials are still investigating how the tower eventually came to fall. Engineers consulted by the journal, however, 
concluded that there were many a different cumulative effects. It was the result of a generation or more of neglect. The foundations had been undermined. Now, you know, to me, when I was reading this, uh, Don, one of the things that I was so, so conscious of is how important foundations really are. You know, uh, to me, as uh, to me, as I look at this particular uh, article, I'm saying, hey, here's a, a multi-story building, 95 deaths, uh, things fallen down in the middle of the night. Uh, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. uh, normally you would expect, you know, some explosives to have been used, maybe some terrorists uh, to, to come on board to cause this sort of thing to happen. But no, this has just hurt, happened to a 40-year-old building because uh, the uh, foundations themselves has been undermined. When I think about it, it's actually quite a... It, Many of us would say a small thing because you've got uh, waterproofing that's supposed to be there. It's not there. And 40 years later, the building uh, falls uh, falls down. Now, you know, Don, one of the things I'm really conscious of is that Christianity has some really key foundations as well. And those foundations, if they're not in place, the whole building, I would suggest, can actually collapse now don before we actually just get into our uh, our subject for today i'm just wondering can you can you tell us what for you are the foundations of your faith i mean how important are are foundations i suppose and what are the foundations for your faith yes thank you well the bible is the the great foundation of my faith what I believe comes out of the Bible. And I have summarized what comes out of the Bible uh, as under, under seven points. One, Christ. Christ is the center of the Bible. It's his story. Then controversy or conflict. The great conflict between Christ and Satan is another foundational principle that that goes right through the Bible. And then the cross or uh, salvation, the fact that uh, how we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Creation, the fact that uh, God created this world in the beginning, that's foundational because so many things are, are built on that. The commandments of God. God wrote them with his own finger and so they're foundational. And then where we're headed to, the coming, the second coming of Jesus, and then making, we can know all of these things, but we need to make a commitment by baptism to show that we're on the Lord's side. So those are some of the, the foundational principles to me. Yeah, no, look, I really appreciate that, Don, Don, because it's interesting how the Bible is the, is the uh, document that actually binds together all of those foundational principles. You know, to me, if you take one of them out, then what happens is the building itself becomes uh, unsteady. If you take two out, 
it, it starts to wobble. But if you take three out, suddenly an entire wing will actually fall, you know, fall down. And uh, yeah. uh, to me, I'm just so conscious that in our contemporary world, we've been talking about this now for uh, certainly the last uh, week and a uh, week and a bit. This is this is so key, and this is what the Protestant reformers, what they were actually doing, is restoring the foundations. I think you read mm. the text yesterday of many generations. Yeah. And of course, yesterday, the, yeah. the subject that you spoke about was the foundation concerning the word of God. But there's another foundation that to me, I really appreciate. And uh, I love the way, uh, the, uh, certainly the reformers, uh, brought this issue and tied it together, uh, with the word of God. And that, of course, is, uh, God's grace. Uh, Don, mm. look, help us out on this one. What did the reformers, what did they have to say about the subject of grace and, and why is it so important? Yes, thank you. Well, let me give you a little bit of historical sort of lead into this. Martin Luther, he was in the Augustinian monastery there in Erfurt, and I think both you and I have been there, Pastor Gary. Yeah. And he was there studying to be a priest, he was trying, though, to earn his salvation by putting his body through torture. The more he suffered, the more it would atone for his sins, he believed. So he was trying to do it the right way. He would have looked upon the grace of God like a kind of medicine. After taking the medicine, we're able to do good works that then will earn some favor with God. And so, a try as hard as he did, he never felt he had done enough to atone for his sins, and so he'd put himself through more tortures. But when he discovered the Bible chained in the monastery to the monastery walls, and excitedly began to read it, he started to discover some different teachings. He started to discover that the God of the Bible was not an angry judge ready to punish but he was a God who was welcoming us, trying to save us. But Luther really struggled because of what he'd been brought up to believe and then what he was reading in the Bible. And it was at this time that his good friend Storpitz sort of headed him in the right direction more, I guess you could say. Storpitz said to him, instead of torturing yourself on account of your sins, Cast yourself into the arms of your Redeemer. Trust in him, in the righteousness of his life, in the atonement of his death. Listen to the Son of God. He became man to give you the assurance of divine favor. Love him who has first loved you. Well, those words, I'm sure they played around and around in his mind. And he went to Wittenberg where he studied the Bible more and lectured on it, lectured on the Psalms and on the Book of Romans, and he found that God's grace is declaring ungodly people to be righteous. And uh, that text in Romans, I mean, uh, in Galatia, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
Mm. And Pastor Gary, we can say, what does grace mean? For by grace you have been saved through faith. Mm. You know, grace is one of those words we're familiar with, but come to try to define it. You know, and it's not talking here about what you say before you eat your food. People say, well, say grace. It's, what does this word here mean? Well, I'll tell a little story. There was a young couple who were having trouble with their marriage and they'd tried counsellors and they'd tried this and that and the other, but they were getting more and more on the rocks and so they decided to invite the pastor to come along and and uh, share with them some things from the Bible. They thought that might help. And by the way, that's that's a pretty good um, that's a pretty good thing. Good mm. because the closer we come to Jesus, the closer we come to each other, Pastor Gary. Indeed, indeed. So anyway, the pastor got there. The, the wife sat at one end of the table, and the husband sat at the other end, and the pastor sat in the middle, and. Uh, the pastor said, um, well, tonight he said, how about we have a talk about grace? And the pastor, uh, the husband said, well, that's, that's all right. Whatever you like, pastor, that's fine. Well, he said uh, to the man, he said, can you give me a definition of grace? Well, he said, I can, but he said, I think I'll let it, I better let you say. And the pastor said, grace is something we don't deserve. Amen, the man said. His wife's name was Grace, and he thought he didn't deserve her. (laughs) (laughs) And so the pastor had a quick pull his socks up, and he said, grace is a favor we don't deserve. Amen, the wife said. She reckoned she was a favor he didn't deserve. So what's grace? Grace is a favor that we don't deserve. And what's the favor that we don't deserve? The gift of eternal life, salvation. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Romans 3.23 says, We've all sinned, so we've all earned death. That's what we deserve. But Romans 6.23 says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so grace is the fact that uh, Jesus was willing to die in our place for our sins so that we could have eternal life. Mm, mm. When Luther went to Rome, he went to the Santa Scala and was going up those holy stairs that they say came from Jerusalem. And Jesus had gone up them there in uh, Pilate's Judgment Hall. And But anyway, while Luther was there, the Pope had, uh, well, the Pope had just issued a recent indulgence, a remission of punishment for sin for those that go up these stairs on their knees. And I've been there, and Pastor Gary, you've been there to this place. Indeed. And as Luther was going up on his knees, a text from Romans chapter 1 and verse 17 just hit him like a thunderbolt. The just shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. And he jumped up and he walked out of that place. He walked out a man freed from trying to earn his own salvation. And now he was trusting in the grace of Christ. Mm-hmm. I think of Romans 5 verse 1 being justified by faith. We have peace with God, it says. Ah, oh, powerful. Now, Pastor Gary, I've got a passage here I'd like to read that I think makes this clear. And it's in Romans chapter 3, and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. 
It says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God fairly and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Mm. And then a bit further down it says, God did this that is died for us to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Mm. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, Paul says, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, it is based on faith. Mm. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Mm. So there it, Paul lines out very clearly how we're saved by what Jesus did for us on the cross. And I'd just like to read... 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, because I think this sums it up. For he, God, made him Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus, the sinless one, Pastor Gary, took upon himself our sin He suffered for our sin. He died for our punishment so that he could give us his righteousness. You know, Don, this is an an absolutely uh, life-changing uh, type of type of teaching you know I think of you know we can certainly share you know about the Santa Scalia but you know I'm so conscious also that uh, that man uh, Martin Luther before he wrote his his 95 theses uh, he was encountering a man uh, a Tetzel I think he's, I think his name was yeah. who, who had come to uh, Wittenberg to sell indulgences but by the impartation of money a person would be able to by themselves, uh, time out of uh, the fires of uh, the fires of yeah. hell, and and you know when you think yeah. about it, you say, hey, you know that is a that is a horrendous uh, a teaching when you compare it to with what uh, the Word of God actually says. And when Luther discovers what the Word of God actually says, what happens is there is a life transforming message that suddenly yeah. uh, wells up uh, within his entire. Being, it's something that he has to be able to share with the people because it's in that message that is it, that there's incredible freedom that he yeah. has, he has found, and he wants others to have exactly the same freedom. You know, to me, the gospel, yeah. you know, the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. You know, as, yeah. I, as I look at this, I say, hey, you know, oh, goodness me, we are serving a, a wonderful, a wonderful God. But look, let's come to some some music to actually celebrate that. This is uh, the group uh, Revelation, and uh, this is Wonderful Words of Life, and that's exactly uh, what, uh, what Luther and those other Reformers, that's certainly what they discovered. 
about where our world is heading. Are you searching for truth? Faith FM would like to invite you to Searching for Certainty, a free eight-part series at Melrose Park Seventh-day Adventist Church, 123 Edward Street, Melrose Park. Running every Friday and Saturday in August at 6pm on Fridays and 3pm on Saturdays, there will be free refreshments and you'll discover trustworthy answers to your big life questions. Remember, that's every Friday at 6pm and every Saturday at 3pm, right throughout August at Melrose Park Seventh-day Adventist Church. To reserve your place, contact Fabiano on 0415 030 590. That's 0415 030 590. That's going to be an absolutely fantastic program, and that's run by uh, my good mate, uh, uh, Pastor Fabiano. He's uh, one of our pastors uh, here in uh, Adelaide. He's pastor of the Melrose Park Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, you will be greatly touched. You'll be impressed. Uh, Fabiano is an absolutely fantastic uh, presenter, and uh, I believe you'll really, really enjoy that. Uh, so uh, so please, uh, welcome aboard. It'd be great to have you come and, come and join with us, if you happen to be here in Adelaide. Uh, now, look, folks, our giveaway book for today is the book Baptised Paganism. Today's church uh, says the back cover is suffering from spiritual amnesia. It's forgotten its roots. The I this I eye-opening investigation explores the pagan customs that have been gradually introduced into Christianity and whether or not you should avoid participating in one or more of these practices. Are you involved with one of these practices? Why not have a look? at this book and find out. Baptised Paganism by Dennis Cruz. Now look, if you'd like your own copy of Baptised Paganism, all you've got to do is to text us here at uh, Drive Time. Our number is 04 888 That number is 04 888 
And uh, all you need to do is to uh, text us the code, which is SA66, SA66. Uh, no gap between the SA and the 66, just SA66, and that'll trigger our robot. And uh, uh, our robot, Pilgrim, he will uh, he'll contact you, get a few details off you so we can get this book to you in the easiest and the fastest uh, possible uh, possible way. Uh, now, you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. And uh, uh, today, uh, we've got as our uh, co-host, Pastor Don Felberg, live from Perth in uh, in West Oz. And this week, we're looking at the theme, is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? And today, we're asking, uh, what can the Reformation, what can the Reformation era really teach us? And we're looking particularly at the whole subject of grace. Uh, this is an, a marvellous teaching. It was a rediscovery. It was a life-changing. Uh, it was an, a life-impacting uh, belief that was new to their time, but it was so needed then and so needed uh, today. Don, look, we've got about uh, about eight or nine nine minutes. So please, can you can you bring it through to us? I know that you've got a story in there somewhere as well that you can share. Uh, over to you. Yes, I. What you were saying is just so true that this wonderful teaching of salvation by grace as a gift from God became the heart and the soul of the Reformation. Beautifully summed up in that old hymn, Rock of Ages, where it says, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Now, Maybe uh, there's somebody here saying, well, does that mean if we're saved by the grace of God that we can, uh, we can live however we like? Well, just to, just to quickly uh, clarify that, that passage that I read in Romans about being saved by the grace of Christ and not of works and not by the deeds of the law and so on, it ends with Paul's Paul himself thinking, hey, somebody mightn't have understood this. So in verse 31, he says, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not, he says. On the contrary, we establish the law. You see, the law uh, as a standard is uh, holy and just and good, and it lasts forever. But what Paul was against was people trying to earn their way to heaven by the keeping of the law, a bit like what Luther was trying to do. And Jesus said it beautifully, if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm. You see, the law doesn't earn us, law keeping doesn't earn us salvation. We're saved by the grace of Christ. But in thankfulness for the gift, we want to obey him and order our lives in harmony with him. And you know, Don, what and really, so, Dan, what, Don, what really happens is that your, your your way of thinking seems to change. You know, I think of, uh, I think it's Psalm Psalm nineteen. You know, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. More to be desired are they than gold? More more precious. Yeah. You know, to me, as I look at that, I, I say, hey, you know, David was a man whose heart had been transformed, and when a person comes comes to Jesus Christ, when a person accepts uh, God's grace uh, through faith, their whole thinking processes has changed, and suddenly the things which they struggled with, uh, they no longer yeah. struggle with. And to me, I love what it is that you're actually sharing, because to me, uh, it, it, it really comes back and it really challenges the way that I think 
about yeah. the things which take place in the big white world and that in which I'm, yeah. I'm actually living. But but Don, please come back again. Yeah. The Reformation really puts the fo- put the focus squarely back on Jesus and His grace and His sacrifice as the basis of our salvation. Mm. No need for works and penances to try and earn our salvation. No need for indulgences to free us from coming punishment. God loves us and wants us saved. No need to pray to Mary and to put in a good word for us. No need of the good works of the saints to help us. No need to confess to a priest. Jesus is our great high priest and will freely forgive if we come to him. There's the one mediator between God and man, First Timothy 2.5. And so the focus that the Reformation gave was to put uh, put Jesus in centre place and His grace in centre place, mm. and um, and you know I think of Acts four twelve. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus and uh, through His grace. Well, you know there was an unbelieving Aboriginal lady in Maree there in South Australia, feeling helpless and hopeless and empty. She had lost some loved ones, no future, no meaning to life, ready to commit suicide. And an old pastor, Pastor Eric Davy, came along. He met up with the lady while looking for others, began talking to her, and she told him of a helpless, hopeless situation, and he suggested she go to Mama Ruffa College, to Bible College. She agreed to sign up. But the night before the charter plane was to come and pick her up, she got drunk. And you know what? The plane didn't come. There was a dust storm in Alice Springs or something. (laughs) The plane was rescheduled for the next day, and she had sobered up by then. And so she got on, and she got to Mama Ruffa, and she thought, what have I got myself into? I'm not a Christian. I'm a drinker. I'm in the wrong place. But college class started with morning worship, songs about Jesus, prayer, a message of hope from the Bible, and then classes on various Bible topics, salvation through Jesus. And bit by bit, the Holy Spirit began to work on her life, and she put her faith in Jesus and invited him to be her saviour. And peace replaced fear. Hope replaced hopelessness. Mm. Life took on meaning. Jesus had forgiven her sins. A new future and joy took place instead of sadness. And I was with Colleen on a Mama Ruffa Field School at Waluna up in the centre of Western Australia. And uh, students took some of the meetings and she preached there one night and she talked about Jesus and his grace and how he loves us and wants to save us. Mm. and uh, she told the story of how Jesus had rescued her and saved her and how she had found him to be her saviour. And and then she gave an invitation to people who wanted to accept Jesus and come forward. She was dead serious. She said, you come, Come come as you are. Come and give your heart to him and he will save you. He did that for me. And a young lady came, and then an old man tried to get up and come, but his wife said, no, you can't go, you've been drinking. He said, i got to go, i got to go, I don't want to be left behind. And so here this old man got up, and uh, 
He hobbled up, hobbled along, and he stood right in front of Colleen and gave his heart to Jesus. Mm. She had found Jesus. He had answered her longings. And I want to say to the listeners today, he will answer your longings too. Yeah. Yeah. How can the Reformation help us? We need the grace of God today just as much as Luther needed it and the people of the 15th century. Mm. We all need Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. And like Colleen said there, Revelation twenty two seventeen, and the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who first come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Mm, powerful, powerful. Don, look, let's, that's a fantastic spot to finish on. Let's, let's just bow in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I want to come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you for giving us your word. But Lord, thank you that it reveals Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, for the for, for the grace that you have provided. Uh, Lord, thank you that we can receive that uh, just by the, the hand of faith. Lord, I'm just praying right now for any individual, any person who might be listening in their car. Uh, perhaps there's someone who's listening at home. Maybe there's someone sick uh, just listening in their uh, in their bedroom. Uh, Lord, I want to pray for that person right now. Lord, if that person has never accepted you, if they want to, I just want to pray right now that uh, they might raise their hand. Uh, Lord, mm. I, I pray that they might raise their hand and that you might accept that person as they do so. Uh, Lord, mm. we uh, we come to you right now because we're conscious of our need and we're conscious of your grace and we thank you for it. Uh, Lord, mm. uh, thank you for being the almighty God who can change hearts and can change lives. Amen. Well, folks, Amen. folks, thank you so much for, for joining uh, joining us today. It really does look like our, our time is up, however. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor Don Felberg on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow. Pastor Fabiano is going to be here and he's going to be sharing with uh, Pastor Don. He's going to be talking about the question, the Bible and end time religion. Has it reached its fulfillment? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart and the peace that I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.